Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends where we found it. Whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, the Longhorn Republic, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm my host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by half of the Longhorn Pod Twitter account, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Oh, I am I am fantastic. All the good tweets that you read are Gerald. All the ones that seem like a reach are me. Not at all. The ones <laughs> that, that set off random recruiting tizzies on Twitter are me. <laughs> and all the dumb gifts are always me. That's that's the inside. If it's a gif, if it's a gif, it's gonna be me. That's your best bet to know on our Twitter. If it's a gif, Gerald tweeted it. You do. You crush the gif game. I try to keep up with you, but I'm 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 one out of every twenty of our gifts, and you and you are crushing it. By the way, I'm just confirming for all our listeners. You have now two podcast hosts, which is the same as like a hundred votes, uh, telling you how it is pronounced. It is it is gif. That is the correct pronunciation. I mean. I was peer pressured into GIF, right? Because I was of the opinion that, like, the person that created the file format says it's GIF. But also, do you pronounce it graphical? <laughs> His mama call him Clay. I'm going to call him Clay. Right, exactly, right? <laughs> no. Exactly. We're, the world has voted. It's GIF. Somehow, five years into this, that's our first coming to america reference i think and it's i'm proud of you for being the one to do it kyle but we've got a a fun one for you our friend mike roach of horns 247 has joined us again to talk about some recruiting it's been a minute he's also we're going to talk with him for like 20 minutes probably about uh his trek through the marvel cinematic universe kind of closing the loop on what he talked about the last time he was on the podcast as a, a pair of gentlemen that pride themselves on um being just good enough to start problems with cryptic tweets on Twitter. We wanted to bring somebody on that has a little bit of actual knowledge rather than just, I'm holding a sick baby and I want to fire off a tweet knowledge. So we reached out to our friend, Mike Roach of horns, two, four, seven to come on and talk a little recruiting. And then anytime we have Mike on it, just, we, we just have a good time. And so uh, Mike, it's been a busy weekend for you. It's been a busy week. It's going to be a busy month for you, but you made some time because you're one of the best people that we know. So man, how are you doing today? I want all of your listeners to know that Gerald 
texted me at Saturday, maybe, um, and said, hey, uh, I know you're busy, but can we have you on Monday? And this was like right in the middle of me um, working a camp, trying to figure out what was going on in the unofficial visit week and trying to run down the Keelan Robinson story. And I just said to somebody, I swear to God, if somebody texts or calls me and asks me one more thing, I'm going to lose my mind. And Gerald said it. I was just like, oh, yeah, sure. I think I could do Monday. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I got a lot of love for the podcast. So, uh, you know, to, I'm glad to be here. To be fair, I said any any Monday over the next month. And you were because you're the mensch you are. You're like, yeah, I could do this Monday because you're just you're the best, Mike. Well, I enjoy this time with you guys. It's a nice free flowing conversation. I it's relaxing for me. So I, I, I never mind doing it. We we are actually going to get shirts printed that said Mike Roach actually didn't cuss us out for texting him during the middle of a busy week and when he said he would the next person and he loves our <laughs> podcast. Dash Longhorn Republic. Yeah, then my wife <laughs> then my wife texted and asked him for some ice cream and I left let loose. No, I'm just kidding. Um yeah. No, it was just one of those times where I was like, I I just I was like, man, I, I'm getting so much out of this camp, but there's no way I should be here during the first official visit weekend of the year. It was a it was a crazy one. So, yeah, if if people don't know one, you're listening to this podcast, so you absolutely know what happened over the last couple of weeks. But um, Texas opened up its official visits for the first time in more than, I don't know, what, 15 months ish since March of 2020. Uh, they were able to officially host recruits on campus and uh mike also happened to be at a camp over the weekend just covering at smu because mike is the busiest man in, in sports but mike the the new staff has got a got a unique chance they're again building off the momentum they've got all the things going on but um what we'd love to to hear about just to start is like this is a new staff it's a new approach they've got a new uh kind of interim facility for a lot of so like what's the approach and the philosophy that they're really taking in their first chance to, to show who they are, what they're about to um, in a pivotal recruiting class. I'm going to start with just comparing it to what I know over the last few years of me covering visits under Tom Herman. And that was, I think that they did a really good job on visits uh, under that staff. I think Derek Chang and Brian Carrington and Jordan Fields, who was the director of on-campus recruiting, I think they all put together a really good visit. They were usually pretty detailed. The parents came away feeling like they had had all their an their questions answered. They were academic heavy. But I think two things that Texas may have overplayed during that time, they really sold Austin. And like, I get it. Austin's a really cool place. But like, it was almost like they were showing their cards. This is all we have to sell right now is that we're in Austin it almost became like a thing of, okay, so what else do you have besides the city? And um, the thing is, you know, they leaned a lot on the, this is Texas type of thing. And, you know, frankly, this hasn't been Texas in the last decade. So um, I think that from what I heard, it, it was a way more laid back approach um, this weekend. And, you know, a lot of people have asked me this question, like, how does it differ? I don't know that I'm going to fully have that answer until we get through an entire cycle and I can put together a lot of data from what people tell me and what's common and, and those type of things. But um, it, it does sound like it was a lot more laid back from experience. And that's not surprising because who Steve Sarkeesian is. He's just a lot more of a laid back type of guy than Tom Herman was. So, um you know, I think that uh, really the big difference was 
more showing off kind of what they that they have a coaching staff have been able to do in their past, but also just kind of letting people hang out and get to know them. You know, Sark is a real personable guy. The I feel like most of the coaches on the staff are, you know, I when it comes to guys like uh, like Kyle Flood spending two full baseball games at the Austin Regional sitting next to Cole Hudson and his parents. Um, I mean, look, I, I know guys will go to great lengths to sign a kid, but the stories I've heard of people, you know, we can't, this coach can't even make it through a zoom presentation without having to duck out or check his phone or something. And this guy sat through two baseball games. Uh, you know, I mean, that's, that probably says a lot, you know, um, talking to Jeremy Patton, one of the visitors, you know, he, he said the highlight of the trip for him was really um, just conversations with coach Sark at dinner and how much of a real person he felt he was and, and how much that he thought, you know, he had really invested in knowing who Jeremy Patton was. You know, they had conversations where he was like, I could tell that this first time he had heard of me, you know, obviously. And as funny as that sounds, it happens a lot in college football. It happens a lot to where I saw it this weekend when I was at the SMU camp where I would see head coaches go to talk to parents. And it would be just like that. Uh, you, you guys, you guys have seen the program, surely, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so you remember the scene where he's going to recruit Darnell Jefferson and his like chief head coach is like walking with him. and He's got the file and he's like yeah. uh, he ran for 300 yards in the game against uh, Jefferson uh, Memorial. And uh, he scored that that pivotal touchdown against Lincoln. And then the next scene is him doing the recruiting pitch. And he was like, yeah, you were great on that touchdown against Lincoln. Um, <laughs> you saw that happen like a lot at the at the SMU camp where it's like I was here to head coaches talk to their recruiters and be like, OK, what's his mom's name? Him. all right and um and they and he has a little brother right and then you would literally see him go up and be like hey sherry how's uh how's how so-and-so's little brother doing too and it, so you know um that those guys don't aren't often authentic but you know talking to Patton, it, it very much seemed like you know sark knew who he was and that that really came off to him so you know he talked a lot about the realness um that he felt the authenticity and I think, uh, you know, another big part of the uh, the presentation right now is obviously the future. You know, I they don't have all the cool stuff to show off right now because of the construction. They can't show off the locker room. They don't have the full south end zone complex. So I was talking to a source there who told me, you know, imagine what, what these weekends are going to be like when we do have that stuff to show off too. Um, so a lot of it was sure that they got into the name image likeness i actually got kind of a walkthrough on that pitch and how it will be used and i and i wrote that in depth in the stampede um and i think that you know for total package wise i i told this anecdote last week there was an unofficial visitor last week whose dad came through his dad I can't describe him without giving it away, like who the kid is and who he is probably. His dad has a lot of experience in the football business. Let's just say that. Came in with a bias against Texas. Had a long conversation with Sark about the name, image, likeness, things like that. Came away and told me, I don't know how this doesn't work out for Texas. Um, wow. Like they have everything they need to be a superpower. Um, you know, with that guy and that city, that brand and that offense, um, you know, I don't know how they're not the best team in college football. So I, obviously that's a, that's a leap. That's going to be a while before they're able to build that mm -hmm. up. But I thought it was important that a guy who, who did go in with an admitted bias came away with, with that view. 
That's that's amazing. Gerald and I have, have always joked about NCAA's uh, 14s recruiting rankings in Texas wasn't too easy of a school because it was like an A and everything. Um, we also, I think, we still had the, the cloud of being good at football um, or, or residual of it. But uh, you mentioned, and I appreciate that. I think if we can have an identity of, of you know, our coaching staff is, is people person is, is selling themselves, then, yeah, that's just one more thing on top of all of the amenities Texas has all of, you know, the, the things that success will, will, will make easier and bring. But uh, I, I, I love that you said it's guys that, you know, not every coach would necessarily know, but our listeners know a couple big names and everyone in the country knows a couple big names are going to be on campus coming up real soon. Uh, one name, I'll just start with the last name, Manning, comma, Arch. Um, it is maybe the hottest name in, in, in high school level football, it seems, around the country. And also Ruben Owens, uh, a kid who we love a lot on this podcast known by the name black unicorn, which we uh, uh, love. Um, but uh, they, they're going to be on campus and, and, and you, Mike, since we've last talked to you, I believe uh, have probably uh, as, as much in depth uh, understanding of, of arch and his mindset and what's going on there. When you caught up with him down in NOLA, can you just catch us up on, on QB one in the 2023 class and, and what are your takeaways from, from talking with arch? Yeah, so I, I made a trip to New Orleans last month, and it was something that I had worked on in secret. And I want to give you guys uh, just a little view into my crazy mind and how superstitious I am. Um, you know, like Michael Scott says, I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. Um, <laughs> I went to New Orleans, and I told my editor, I said, look, man, and, you know, about every two weeks, I go to my editor and I propose a trip that they're going to have to pay for. And... <laughs> About every time, and I think I probably learned this from my wife because she does the same thing to me. I'm like, look, man, if you just let me do this, I'm not going to ask you for anything else. And then two weeks later, here I am again. So uh, after having done, you know, a week at Houston, which was a, a fair amount of money spending a week and gas money and food and hotel and all that. Um, I come back to him. And I said, look, man, I think it's really important. We'd be the first Texas site to talk to Arch in person. Um, being such a big story. And, you know, he's not a normal kid that you're going to get on the phone. So you have to go to New Orleans and see him in person if you're going to talk to him. Um, so they they said, hey, man, if you could set it up with the coach and everything and it, and it all works out, we're going to we'll green light you. So I, I, I spent two or three weeks trying to get in contact with the coach, emailing, emailing. And like literally thought it was I just no responses, thought there's no chance. And like one night at I get an email back and I'm just sitting up like working and this email pops up and it's like, yeah, you're welcome anytime. And I was just like, all right. And I got booked the flight right then, but I'm always, you know, I'm a worst case scenario kind of guy. So like in my mind, it's like, you're going to fly out there. Uh, Arch won't be at school that day. He'll have had his wisdom teeth removed or something and <laughs> you'll have no other, you're only there for a 24 hour period. So like literally I wanted to hype the trip up because I knew it would be a big deal. And I was just like, I'm not going to hype this up if I'm, if there's a chance I'm not going to see him. And so like, and they're very, Louisiana is not like Texas in the way of like, if I talk to a Texas high school coach and he says, our practices are Monday through Thursday at four, I know that unless there's an act of God, they will be on the field at four. Whereas in New Orleans, like the coach Stewart, their head coach is like, yeah, some days we practice at three thirty, Some days we don't. Some days we practice and it's just really fluid. I didn't have the guy's number and I couldn't, I couldn't reach him by phone. So I was like, man, I've, I've really got to guard against myself. So I, I just went, like I left 
on a Tuesday, didn't tweet about it, anything, didn't even tweet I was there. Um, got there in the morning, got, got some food, and then, and then went out to the school. When you go to Isidore Newman, um, it's a trip because it's right in the middle of town. It's literally in the middle of like downtown New Orleans. And for any of you familiar with the Dallas area, I would say it's a lot like Highland Park, both in demographics and the way Highland Park High School is right in the middle of a neighborhood. That is the exact same way it is. You can't see the field. Like in Texas, we're used to driving up and seeing the stadium from a long way away, right? The lights and everything. This field is legitimately like I had to stop and ask the crossing guard, like, where do I go to get to the field? And he's like, go up, take a right, go up, take another right. And it's like just <laughs> nestled in the middle of this field. And you pull up and you see the gates and they say uh, the Manning family field, um, you know, and, and there's Manning is everywhere. And it is, uh, you know, it was a trip. They were having like a signing ceremony that day too. So like you get there and again, I'm used to Texas. So in Texas, when you pull up to a practice, there's guys getting ready, right? There's trainers bringing water out. There's coaches setting drills up, all sorts of things. There was not a sign of life on this field. And I stood there for probably an hour. I went and found a bench on the field and just sat there, sat there, sat there, sat there. And like, finally a kid walked by and I was like, hey, are y'all going to have football practice today? And he was like, yeah, I think so. And then he went into the locker room. So I was like, well, he's definitely a player, uh, but he's not sure if they're going to have it. So again, I'm like, this is a bust. I'm not going to get anything out of it. Then the offensive linemen come out on the field. And I'm like, okay, they're having practice, but I have not confirmed our here. Literally, I would not tweet I was there the moment until the moment I saw Arch walk out on the field. I pressed tweet on that. Hey, I'm here in New Orleans to see Arch Manning. Um, and so unfortunately he was hurt that day, so he didn't really participate in practice. He he took a couple of drops, but didn't throw throw the ball any. Um, but man, it was a really cool experience, honestly. Um the, the, oh, the other thing was like, you know how it's been uh, raining in Texas for the last month and a half? This was like kind of right at the beginning. It was raining legitimately all day, every day. And so I was looking at the weather and I'm like, oh, my God, it's going to rain the entire time I'm in New Orleans. And there are no indoors in, in New Orleans like there are in Texas. There was no I was like, this thing's just going to get canceled. Like there, everything felt like it was working against me. The weather held off and it's literally started raining as soon as I drove out of the parking lot. Like somebody was, somebody was looking out for me. So um, sorry to, uh, to derail and take it the long way, but I just thought that's like a look into my crazy superstitious brain. Um, talking, it. talking with Arch, you know, I've, I've talked with a lot of five-star quarterbacks and, a lot of them will let you know they're five-star quarterbacks and, um, you know, they come off in a, in a very off-putting way. Arch is, uh, you know, I don't get the sense that he's, um, that he's, uh, that he's uh, like a real cocky guy, but I also don't get the sense he's really a pushover. walks that line really well. And the other thing that I found fascinating um, was that uh, I thought um, that he, for a guy who has his family history and probably the weight of the world on his shoulders for being a Manning, I thought that he really handled himself well. And talking to their head coach, you know, about it, who played with in high school. So he's known Peyton forever. Um, you know, he was like, he's his own kid. He never feels that pressure. He's just him, you know? Um, so I, I really liked him. I think Texas is very much in it. 
I mean, they've done a phenomenal job in this recruitment uh, early on. Now, I think it's early to talk about leaders. I came away from it saying it, it's hard. I was double talking a little bit. You know, Texas is definitely in that top group, but I think it's really hard to talk about a solidified leader. You know, Clemson offered this week. Clemson is going to be a factor in this recruitment, but they hadn't offered at the time I was there. Um, you know, he, he just made his first visit. He'll make his second and third this week. So, um, it's early to talk about leaders, but I think what's important was he, they really love offensively what Steve Sarkeesian brings to the table. They really love the education opportunities at Texas, along with the prestige of the university and it being a blue blood and all that. And remember, I don't know if you remember this or not. Eli Manning, I mean, was basically down to Ole Miss in Texas when he made his decision. So they've they've been down this road before. There's something else that I have heard that I can't quite get into yet that makes me think Texas is in a a much stronger position um, as far as like just family links. And then um, he really gets like, it was kind of the first I've really heard somebody talk super glowingly about AJ Milwee. He talked about AJ Milwee in a way that, like, he really lit up when I asked about him. Um, and and for, so, the guys running this recruitment right now are Steve Sarkeesian and AJ Milwee. There's nobody else involved. You know, Terry Joseph play is good friends with Arch's head coach, and so he kind of keeps that relationship going. And of course, Brandon Harris is an LSU great, and, and all those sorts of things, and play quarterback. So he's involved a little bit, but those two guys are the main ones that communicate with him in the family, and. He kind of, you know, he obviously has the respect for Steve Sarkeesian as the head coach, but he looks at AJ Milwee like a big brother and and has said that they've grown a really, really close bond. Not only that, he's grown a close bond with a couple of other their targets, including Ruben Owens, including Jonte Cook, who will also be there this weekend. Um, those guys have been talking a lot. So I, I think a lot of things are aligning for Texas. You know, Alabama, Clemson, those schools aren't going to lay down and go away. Uh, for nothing, but I think Texas, as for now, not naming leaders, has done as good of a job as anybody can do putting themselves in a position uh, to eventually land him. Texas being legitimately mentioned alongside Clemson and Alabama feels good, unlike maybe some five stars in recent memory that uh, maybe mentioned Texas but didn't necessarily have that actual legitimate response for Texas. So you mentioned um, the upcoming visits, kind of what's going on. So like you're doing a ton of great work over at 247. It's like, give give us a little bit of appetizer of like, what should be it be expecting over the next couple of weeks? Because basically June is going to be the blowouts. Like what should fans and and listeners be expecting over the next couple of weeks? Um, And they can get more from you again as you post it. Yeah, we've hopefully done a really good job preparing our readers of who's coming to campus. But that said, new people show up all the time. I mean, we had some big, you know, Cole Hudson wasn't supposed to show up this weekend and he did. And, um, you know, there were guys who should have showed up and they didn't. We've heard some really big names. One I reported to earlier today was that we think that five-star safety uh, Kamari Wilson is going to make a visit at some point late in the month. And there's a couple of other names I've heard who are committed elsewhere right now that are still planning to make a visit. So I think that that's like the end. That's the fun part, right? Is like on a Tuesday when it's like, oh, guess what? This five-star is randomly on campus. Um I don't, I don't honestly expect a ton of commitments in June. I think commitments will happen in July for the most part. I think guys want to get those visits out of the way. 
as, as much as possible, especially the guys who are going to make the decision in the summer. And then July is going to be a crazy month for commitments. I mean, I think Texas could probably add close to double digit guys just in the month of July alone, if everything goes correctly. So, um, you know, for June, it's going to be a, it's going to be a sprint. It's going to be a, uh, it's going to be crazy. I was talking to you guys a little bit about this before the show, but a coach I, I talked to this week and kind of mentioned to me that recruiting fatigue is already becoming a thing. And um, you know, they're a week into it and they can already tell coaches are exhausted. Parents are exhausted because everybody has just gone full bore uh, because of during the spring. I mean, this is what they fit in in the last week and what they will fit in over the month of June is typically done, you know, from, late February, early March, all the way through, you know, May, those guys come out for practices and they just stop by for junior days and things like that. Well, now they're trying to fit all that into a four week period. So fatigue is going to be a real thing. I'm already feeling it. And like I told you guys, this is last week, this past week was our lightest week that we'll do. So I don't know how I'm going to make it. So please, uh, your thoughts and prayers are uh, appreciated. So uh, <laughs> we are thinking of you, Mike. We uh, always we never stop we, thinking we, of you, Mike. That's that's actually correct. You know the the, the amount that uh, you come up in the group text of like Mike. Uh, what do you say about this? What's he think about this? How's Mike doing? Where's he at this weekend? You know. Uh, but anyways, the uh, you you are the third host. Everyone knows that of this podcast. Um, so you- yeah, <laughs> I'm not in the group text. Uh, well, <laughs> we have the group message. This is just the 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 Gerald and I text where we talk about you, you know, and, and, oh, and we okay. don't want to be, you know, you know, it's like you don't want to go right to a celebrity's face and say, like, oh, my gosh, Mr. Oh, Jordan, can I have your autograph? <laughs> I'm not a celebrity, guys. Please. Yeah, I'm, I, kidding, I had, I'm kidding. I, look, look, this past weekend, I had an intern for one of our other sites call me Mr. Roach. And I had oh, like, no. I had a couple of kids like scream like I was the Beatles when I walked by but I'm like, guys, I'm not that important. I'm really not. Um, That's amazing. So, like, yeah, I'm just just a regular dude. And you guys are in my circle of trust. So, um, yeah, I, it's it's not a big – that's why I always say yes when you ask me to come on. Well, it's an honor and a position we, we value and, and, and hope to keep forever. One, uh, one thing we want to talk about is we talked about some potential uh, names who will be coming – uh soon but we have uh we have a, a a kid who showed up like you said unexpected cole hudson um and 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 you know you you talked about he he took in a, a game with with kyle flood who we love kyle flood and, and what he's doing here but that group specifically the offensive line is a place that it felt like texas tried got close didn't close couldn't quite you know get the top recruits uh the past year couple years um what's the expectation in this year's class for just that that group because i know if you talk to any fan it feels like that's not always the case but texas fans are very very aware of offensive line and its importance uh right now and in, in if sark wants to do what he wants to do with the offense what, what what are the expectations for for that offensive line group in this upcoming class i think the bar has been set real low over the past couple of years but Um, it should be easy to clear. I think for me, and I wrote this last week in in a thing I did on offensive line. And I was like, I can't believe I'm writing this, but I think Texas is going to have to be picky with who they take on the offensive line. Um, and a lot of that is because Kyle flood has done a very good job positioning them well with some of the top guys, not only in the state, but in the country. Um, and so, you know, I think that the expectation is that they need to sign a class of four to five 
guys, maybe six if you get the right guys. Um, and those guys are all difference makers. You know, I think if you're looking at Connor Robertson is probably the, the floor for that class who's still a solid player out of Austin Westlake. And the ceiling being Kelvin Banks or, um, you know, even like a guy like Malik Agbo in Seattle or Josh Connerly in Seattle. Like the, that's the ceiling for what he can do. So, um, you know, I, I again, he's put himself in a really good position with Agbo. He's put himself in a really good position with Jacob Sexton out of Oklahoma, who everybody thought was just done to Oklahoma. Now that's a very, very interesting race. Calvin Banks uh, just had a really good visit to LSU. They are very much a factor, and, and that's kind of changed the, the face of that recruitment. But Texas is going to get one of the last shots on that. And so I think that for what Flood has done – warrants us saying hey we uh you know it's great the the early feedback we're getting is great it's a lot better than what it was this time last year but you got to close i mean it's a results driven business so yeah i think i i mean if it's it's got to be a class that that's um i mean i i think probably the most likely class that that comes out of this is maybe like um you know cole hudson connor robertson uh, Banks, you could throw Sexton in there. You could throw Agbo in there somewhere. But, like, that's a good group, and that's a much better group yeah. than they've put on campus in a long time. Now, that said, I well, I do think the 2020 class is somewhat over, underrated uh, when people talk about offensive line. We already saw what Andre Karich and, and Jake Majors could do, and I think Logan Parr and Jalen Garth are, are right behind them. So that class may end up being – uh, uh, kind of a savior of sorts to the the O-line group. But, yeah, I think uh, this is the year that they've got to beef up and, and get those guys, especially in-state. Oh, people are going to freak out. I just thought about it. People are going to freak out if I don't mention the name and think that I no longer think he's going to Texas. Devon Campbell, too. I think Devon Campbell's in that class. <laughs> I, was, I, was about to, I was about to call you on that because we've commented on how he already looks good in burnt orange, which is a talent in and of itself. And so he should just pull the trigger. That's that's always the conversation Kyle and I have about him. Him and Derek Brown, who plays for Texas High, always already wears orange with Texas across the chest. Do it. They totally should. <laughs> so so la- last of the of the business questions, Mike, and then we'll get to the fun stuff. But um, earlier this week, Alabama, former Alabama running back, um, Keelan Robinson, adding another Robinson to the backfield, committed to Texas, which um, after two years ago, Texas could have 93 running backs in that room, and I'd be completely okay with it. Um, just just pack that room out. But, you know, Texas has um, – you know, Jaden blue in the 20, you know, the 2021 class and they've got our 2022 class and they got uh, the black unicorn Ruben Owens in the, the 2023 class. So what does this do, if anything, to, to the future of running back recruiting at Texas, whether it be a good or a, or a bad thing? I don't think it changes much. I think if you look at what they did at Alabama, that'll be kind of the model for, for Sarkeesian in Texas. It's like, yeah, I don't care that we've got the best guy in the next class. Let's get two of the best guys in this class. Um, you know, Robinson uh, can do a couple different things. He's a guy that can run. He could split out if you need him to in the slot. He's a speed guy. I think, you know, for Texas, they're still very much on to finding a second running back in this class. And, you know, you're right. I, I don't think there's enough running backs you could take because it always seems like, oh, that's a really strong room until, you know, you're dealing with two injuries and then you're down to Gabe Watson or Jonathan Brooks or whatever the case may be. So um, I think, yeah, I think for, for them, it's about finding a second one that makes sense with Jaden Blue. 
um, a guy that uh, that kind of fits both, um, you know, kind of in tandem with him and, and complements him. Um, I know the guy that, uh, in my opinion, the two guys on the board that they probably want the most are Trevante Citizen, who just visited over the weekend, and Jamarian Miller from Tyler Legacy, who is probably going to visit sometime this month after it looking like Texas was completely out of that race. Um, I think that those are the two guys they would prefer. They, they've got a group they like. I mean, it includes the Anthony Gatson, who also visited over the weekend from Newton. Tavoris Jones, who's coming in later in the year. I've heard of a couple of other running backs who've reached out. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, they're all systems go. Um, the, the thing I found interesting about um, – about uh, Robinson is, and I have to go, I need to go look at the scholarship numbers to confirm that, but I believe they were basically down to two spots left for this season. And so I knew that Sark wanted to really use those, those transfer spots to help the team immediately. They're already in on a Caleb Evans, the corner out of Tulsa that that's transferring. Um, and so I thought they might be a little picky with that last one in, in case they get Evans. But, uh, man, they, I guess they thought that Robinson was good enough to, to be an instant contributor to that offense. And, and they would know because they saw him every day in practice uh, on that offensive staff. So, um, yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think it's all systems go. And I think it's a case of, you know, just taking what is your best position group and making it stronger. So oh. I was going to say no one's going to be mad about that or adding the uh, adding the 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 speed that that brings to to campus. I think instantly, uh, right? You 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 put one of the fastest guys on the roster just to, the moment he steps on the forty. That's never a bad thing. Yeah, and I think what's interesting about that to me is when you look at the allocation wise, there were a lot of guys that went into the portal that I think could have helped Texas in the last couple of years offensively. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, Tom Herman would just never get involved with them. And I think a lot of times he would look at it and say, I would rather have a guy who can be my sixth best offensive lineman than a guy who could come in and potentially get five touchdowns this year out of the backfield. And I think for Sark, it's about adding the best players available guys that he knows can, can do something with it. Now, obviously they've taken numbers at the linebacker position and that's something they looked at and said, we got to have something here. Um, so, I mean, that's been more of a quantity thing, but I think in the, saw hey this is a great player or yeah great but good player somebody we think can help us that we know what they bring to the table we don't have to vet them anymore because we've been with them for the last couple of years and yeah i could take a guy who's transferring out of marshall or something to be our swing offensive tackle or i could take this guy who helps our offense be way more explosive immediately and so i think that's just kind of a difference in perception i've seen and i'm just excited to see the the four by one relay team that Sark has put together in the last couple of a uh, couple of weeks. That's fine. Uh, so, so let's move on to the, to the, the stuff that I really want to talk to you about, Mike. So the last time you were on the podcast, this, this idea launched that, you know, you're trying to decide whether or not you wanted to invest the time in, in the Marvel cinematic universe. And then um, I got a DM that Kyle wasn't following you. So you couldn't DM him. And there was this whole <laughs> controversy there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we got to talk about 
at. <laughs> you said he was at the circle well, of trust, but yeah, I, I went to put I'm, it. I'm in deeper. Yeah, way, way more so. I went to put you guys in a group text because I was like, look, I want you to get the live feedback from this as soon as I'm getting it. Because you guys know, I would send you the screenshot every day. I was keeping a notepad of the ratings I was giving uh, these movies. Yes. And so I was like, all right, I want to keep them in the loop. And then I went to throw Kyle into this group text. And he was not following. And I was just like, what is going on here? So again, I didn't want you to feel like too big of a celebrity. No, I, <laughs> I of all my most grievous mistakes, I uh, I have interacted with your Twitter for, for years, but from the show's inside baseball gerald and i both access the show's uh podcast account and tweet from it from our own phones and when i'm doing most texas stuff i'm usually on that twitter i'm just not you know always on my personal twitter or i you know i do the satirical texas pregamer so it's like one of those two are my go-to texas accounts and i think i follow you on both of those but uh, i did not on my personal it has been remedied we obviously are past it we we, we uh we're both men and i'm a big enough man to say i was wrong okay there we go <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh it's already fun so what happened mike like like he said um decided to dive in on the marvel cinematic universe and would send kyle and i um updates on on where he was at and what he was doing and um I, it, it's gonna be impossible to replicate the reactions that i gave when i when we got your messages mike but you're now on the on the on the tail end, you've, you've made the trek through the first saga of the NCU. So like, take us, take us through your journey and where, like, where are you at now? G give us the highlights, man. I want to, I want our, I want our folks to have just a little bit of taste of the fun that we had in the DMS. Yeah. So I, so if you didn't listen to the last episode, I am not a comic book movie guy at all. I don't like superheroes. I've commonly not liked the tropes of comic book movies. I thought they were a gigantic waste of time. And, Honestly, I thought that they kept other movies, better movies from getting made because studios knew that they could just throw a crappy comic book movie together and make a ton of money. And so why waste time making a good movie when we could just do that? Um, but I just I was looking for something to do. I needed something new to watch. And, you know, I had this Disney Plus and I knew it was all on there. And I knew, you know, Gerald, no offense. You're one of many uh, nerds that I'm friends with. And absolutely. Um, and I would throw you in company with some of the all-time greats, including Hayden Connor and Can and uh, Tope Amade of giant uh, Marvel Cinematic University nerds um, who've just talked to me in the past about how great these movies are. And I felt like I was missing something because, you know, I really thought like when Hayden Connor did his commitment video and he did the Thanos thing, and, and now I can say it's the Thanos thing. I don't like earlier. I was like, that's one of those comic book, like Marvel that things purple guy. that he's doing. Yeah. The purple guy. <laughs> um, so I was like, you know what? Good. I'll do it. And my brother, by the way, my brother's a massive Marvel fan. So he was like, he's been on me to watch these forever. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go through them. And, and guys, y'all can say it. I was pretty dedicated to the bit. I was mowing through like three or four a day. Yes, you were. It was, it was unreal. <laughs> yeah. I was just, I would just turn them on. I'm like, all right, let's roll. Uh, I even went to, I went to Texarkana for a camp um, and knew I would have like a couple of hours that evening before I had to wake up the next morning, go to the school, just brought my Roku with me, strapped it up to the hotel TV and knocked out like two movies there. Uh, I think Man. I watched Dr. Strange there. Boy, what a low point. Um, 
All right, so I'm just I've pulled up my little notepad here that I took notes on. I'm just going to try to broadly hit. I'll you know what I'll do? I'll I'll kind of try to group them by like franchises. So, uh Captain America. Boy, I am not a fan of old Captain America. I think he's a boring superhero. He's Dudley <laughs> Do-Right. He never has like a sense of, oh, maybe I should do this even though it's not technically the right thing, but it would help a lot more people. And I don't know if I hate Chris Evans or if I hate Captain America. Like maybe Captain America just sucks that bad. Um, and so I, I, it made me think I hated Chris Evans. So I gave the first one a five. Uh, so I did these on a scale of one to 10. I gave the first one a five and a half. I gave the Winter Soldier was actually a pretty sweet movie because of all the cameos in it, right? Seven and a half. I think I told you guys um, it's like when you have a really crappy rapper, but you put a lot of good features on the album. That's kind of what it was uh, for okay. me. And then, oh, no, I'm sorry. That was Civil War for me. Yeah, Civil War, I gave a nine. That got a really strong nine. But, uh, yeah, I, I uh, it, you know, I was really upset, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movies, that Captain America didn't die when the snap happened. Um, I was that really <laughs> rude. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that's what Captain America was. You know, I went into the series hating Iron Man, the hero, because I used to watch the Spider-Man cartoon back in the day and he would always get into it with Iron Man. I'm like, this character's boring. He's just like this dude in a robot suit. Robert Downey Jr. like on his own made those movies for me. I gave like the first yes. Iron Man got an eight. Iron Man 2 got a three and a half. And I think you guys warned me about that one. Uh, yes, we did. <laughs> but came back strong in three with an eight and a half. And then he was like the highlight of every other movie that he featured in for me. And I think Robert Downey Jr. in real life thinks he's Iron Man or thinks he's Tony Stark. Um, I don't know. He was just real, like, I can't imagine somebody else playing that role. So uh, the Iron Man scored well. You know what? I was surprised. I thought I would like Thor and you boys saw it. Thor got historically low scores from me in the first installments three and a half for the original and uh was wait the second one dark I think, world the dark world i gave a one awful movie look we already did the elves we already fought these losers on this planet like why are we doing this again terrible <laughs> movies but i came back with um what i call thor ragonk uh ragnarok um they came back strong with that one. And I thought they went in like a whole new direction in that one, which is what I found interesting was like, they made it a little more comical and they made it a little more lighthearted and stuff like that. And whereas like the other two were just like dark, dumb movies. So <laughs> he's also not a very cool superhero. Um, just FYI. I mean, like I get it. He, he's good. He does lightning and he carries a hammer. Um, your, your opinion, your opinions of the Thor franchise are fairly universal. Okay, good. Because my brother was in, my brother loves the Thor franchise, and so he was <laughs> uh, insulted when I gave Dark World a one. I thought we were going to have a fist fight. Um, he was, Dark World is interesting. Trash. As a, you, you, as I say, your brother might be the only person who can get along with my wife when that movie's on because she actually loves it, and I cannot. Yeah. I, I told Gerald that, and I think it was the low point in their relationship. I, I think he he was asking me if I was you know had fully considered my decision to wed and all of those things. I think this was <laughs> while I was engaged. Um, but we made it through there, and so yeah, maybe your brother and and, and my wife can talk about uh, Dark World and how how great that one is. <laughs> yeah. Uh it's an awful movie i mean that was that and dr strange are two movies that was like okay i wasted my time today 
And, and I was committed to uh, you guys all told me like, you could skip this one. You could see my, even my brother was like, you can see, you don't have to watch them all. I was committed to doing them on. So like, even though I knew, I think Gerald Leston was on here. You were like, if you're 20, 30 minutes into it, you can't get into it. Just read the Wikipedia. No, I sat through every single second. I sat through every post credit scene. I sat through everything. I was going to do this right. I'm a completionist. So um, that's what we did. Guardians of the Galaxy I'd actually seen before. And because I like Chris Pratt and because uh, my sister-in-law is obsessed with Baby Groot, um, I uh, I like those movies. I'd already liked those movies. The original got a seven and a half. The two got an eight. And I'm excited to see the third one as well. Uh, Black Panther got a seven. I kind of felt like I was going to be labeled a racist for saying that, but it was just all right. Um, I mean, I it was good. I like, Chad, I, I like Chadwick Boseman. I just, uh, there's a lot going on in that movie, man. Like it was, if almost like they should have had like two movies of Black Panther, which I know they're coming out with another one. So, um, you know, it, 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 that'll change. It's suffered from the, the Marvel first movie problem where it's like, I'm going to fight an evil version of myself and it's going to be okay. That is right. the Marvel first movie problem. That's an interesting theory. I've not, not seen that before, but I think. Um, oh boys, Ant-Man. I can't tell you how delighted I was at, at, after watching Ant-Man. Got an eight and a half from me. Probably my uh, to that point, um, to that point matched only Iron Man 3 with an eight and a half rating. Um, just a really delightful movie. I, who doesn't love Paul Rudd? And, uh, you know, yeah. Michael Douglas is great. And so I, I loved Ant-Man. Ant-Man and Wasp, not quite as strong, got a seven and a half, but still a, a very enjoyable movie. Um, well, Sp- and let me let, let me pause, Mike, because if you recall on your original, your last podcast appearance, you were deciding between doing a justified rewatch and diving into this. And so I think what we found there, what we, we hypothesized in the beginning, you have a Walter Goggins love and he's an Ant-Man uh, in the Wasp, the follow-up. So, you know, you were just laying... The, the 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 groundwork to love walter goggins that's true i do love walt goggins so that's uh that's a really good point um <laughs> what else were we missing here uh oh the avengers movies they were good though they're kind of have the deal like i kind of glad um we got to the point where they were like hey uh you guys just can't destroy these cities and it'd be okay because that's like one of the things i hated about comic book movies <laughs> i'm like they just destroyed all these cities and killed like half a million innocent people just to stop whatever. And nobody ever like the next movie, it's all good. And I thought it was interesting that they kind of dealt with like the PTSD of, of uh, what was uh, in Ultron. I actually thought so like Ultron, I know gets a bad rap, I I guess, as far as the Avengers movies, right? Probably people hate that one most. I liked Ultron a lot. Uh, a James Spader's awesome in everything Incredible. he's in, and uh, that uh, like Paul Bettany getting made into uh, Vision, I thought was like a really cool part of it too. So that got an eight and a half. I have not watched uh, WandaVision. I don't know if I'm gonna. I don't know if I'm there yet. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it got yeah. Uh, I thought in game. I mean in game. I thought actually Infinity War was my least favorite. Uh, of the of the Avengers movies, it got a seven. Okay, interesting. interesting. It was just like you know, it was again. It, that was a movie that was trying to cram. Like maybe those movies with Thanos should have had three. Um, it felt like it was trying to cram way too much into one. Endgame got a nine. I think that was the highest score I gave, aside from Civil War. So, oh, 
Spider-Man Homecoming. And I got to say, as a kid, I was a massive Spider-Man fan. He's easily the coolest superhero there is. I have the Spider-Man video game on my PS4. So Spider-Man's always going to get a bump. And I love like how Tom Holland played Spider-Man because it was like a lot more. Oh, he's a teenager. Like he's a he's a kid. And, um, you know, he does all the goofy like catchphrases and stuff. And I get that that's real catchy or real kitschy. But um, I thought that that's kind of endearing to the part. So I thought they did those movies really well. I haven't seen the other one. Um, Far From Home. Far From Home. Like that's on the list. It's uh, I need to watch it. But um, that got a nine. Endgame got a nine. Captain Marvel got a six and a half. I thought it was a bad movie. But Brie Larson, I thought, was really good playing the part. So it got kind of a bump for it was basically the same as Captain America, the first Avenger. But Brie Larson is better than chris evans so um i they got the bump for that uh yeah i think that's it dr strange got a one i can't say that enough like i got a one i i understood in the end like they need this guy to have like other portals and other dimensions and all that but like i wish they could have just taught some other superhero how to do that and i didn't have to waste my time with that movie because it was awful I, I mean, you I, know, I can't, I can't argue with that, that. That is your, that, I love it. This, this was fun for me. It's like getting to hear it through your eyes, Mike, like or see it through your eyes. I guess that's how you see things, right? Uh, but like the perspective is fun. Yeah. Um, so thanks for coming to my TED talk. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm just gonna tell you, Doctor Strange. I'm a Cumberbatch, so I, I'm, I'm exposing myself there. But it also had uh um mark ruffalo playing basketball which i don't feel like we get enough there's some good basketball scenes at the very beginning on the new york street courts and uh and rachel mcadams who again yeah like child biggest crush so i think i like dr strange more than the average person i didn't realize that for a long time that it was it was not everyone's favorite um again i have not seen all of the movies so so i'm even i'm now in third place mike you have lapped me you and gerald could have your own nerd podcast but uh but yeah, I, 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 the ones I've seen, I did not disagree wildly with with your takes, except we, we seem to deviate a bit uh, on that one. But that's okay. We're allowed to be I, a little different. I don't think he, um, he was di- any like part of what was bad about. It. I just don't. It doesn't seem superhero to me. You know what I mean? It's like okay, he does magic. That's different. Um, <laughs> like it's I, I don't know. Like to me, it's just like a different type of thing. I, I I enjoyed Doctor Strange more than the average bear as well, but it was the the way I've heard it described as firecracker kung fu is really how the magic was in that movie, where it's just like guys waving their hands with sparklers and like that's it's just it is it is what it is on <laughs> on that front. Again, Benedict Cumberbatch, I'm a Chiwetel Ejiofor fan, so like you give me him in anything, and I'm like, yeah, I'll probably give this a chance. You're the first person I've ever seen successfully pronounce that name because I've tried to do it in the past. <laughs> no chance. Uh, I steer clear of it. <laughs> I, I do. I will agree on Rachel McAdams. Anything with Rachel. That, that movie probably should have got a point and a half bump just for Rachel McAdams. Uh, I might go back and adjust the list. Now we're talking. Um, because I am a massive Rachel. I was also a massive Rachel McAdams fan as a, as a young man. Uh, I did love, like, the other thing I hate is um, that there's not I know there's a standalone Hulk movie that's not really part of this timeline and is not Mark Ruffalo 
And that's what I kind of hate that um, because I really <laughs> thought Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk was one of the more like highlights of the whole deal. The other thing I need to know is why is Scarlett Johansson's a former Russian spy? Why does she talk like she's from Kansas? You know, um, she's a very good spy. She's she's a great spy. <laughs> I, I'm going to pay thirty dollars in like three weeks to find that out, hopefully, in whatever this uh-huh. Black Widow spinoff movie is. So, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know, Mike. I, I'm not sure. I, I wish I could tell you undercover is all I can come up with. She wants to blend in with Hawkeye, who's apparently from a farm. Yeah. OK, sounds good. That's all I got. So. So, Mike, you, you caught us up on on where you've been, but but really you come with the hot recommendations and on both what you're, what you're buying for, you know, whatever to go in the bathroom or your, your cabinet or whatever. Um, again, if you have it, Mike, very staunchly, the first person mentioned a bidet on our podcast, which go ahead and say it, but we also love <laughs> and to know still, to this doing. day, do not regret the decision. <laughs> we stand a bidet as hard yeah. as we stand Mike Roach. Um, yeah. So what you watching now, Mike? What's 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 the latest thing on your dial? What you got going on? So we got Peacock, and uh, so I'm watching like a couple different things at once. There's always if the question is what are you watching, it's kind of two questions. What are you watching by yourself when you're at home working, and what yes. are you watching with your wife? Because those are two very different things. Because once we start a show she moves at very slow pace and I like to motor through these things. So it's like, I have to just do things different so that I don't move on without her. So we are watching Yellowstone because I hadn't seen it and I was interested in it and it's good. I think the people who tell you it's great. I, I'm kind of a TV snob. Like if you ask me what your, what are your favorite television shows of all time? They are the all time like TV snob list of shows. It's Sopranos, The Wire, uh, Mad Men, The West Wing. Like I, I've, I've watched some really high bar television. Um, and I think that while I enjoyed Sons of Anarchy, it's clearly a level below those shows. And that's kind of where Yellowstone is for me. It's kind of Sons of Anarchy on a, on a farm. Um, so I, I, it's enjoyable. I would definitely recommend it's like entertaining and worth the watch, but it's, there's some things they do in it that I'm like, uh, that's weird. Like, why would anybody do that? Or there's scenes where it feels, I, I always thought this was Sons of Anarchy too. There's scenes where it's like, oh, somebody just died there because like a producer's like, yo, what if we just killed this person right here? Um, and like, they let it happen so whereas a show like the wire would have said like no we need to slow burn this over the course of a season they're just like let's have this big impactful scene for no reason um that we haven't built up at all every episode and so i think that 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 show kind of suffers from that um so we're watching that i have got discovery plus as well dude i let me tell you we cut the cable and went uh screaming or like streaming straight and thought it would save us money and now i'm (laughs) subscribe to so many streaming services i'm not sure it does i've done the math on it but so um the thing i do love about peacock it has every episode of monday night raw ever and it also has every wrestling pay-per-view ever and so like basically the wwf network yes i will call it the wwf network i don't subscribe to calling it the wwe um has moved all their business to peacock and so occasionally I will run through like 10 raw episodes from 1997. 
um, back in the <laughs> Attitude Era. And back when uh, Raw was war. Back when wrestling was wrestling, Stone Cold was stunning people on a nightly basis, and The Rock oh. was still the Intercontinental Champion. Back in the good old days. Oh, um, beautiful. I have been going through those a little bit, but uh, I got Discovery Plus and uh they've got an original series on there called uh deadliest catch bloodlines which for any fans of deadliest catch it's josh harris phil harris's kid uh fishing for ahi tuna in uh in hawaii which is a beautiful the visuals are great and so that got me wanting to watch deadliest catch again and i haven't caught like i'm behind on like eight nine seasons so i just kind of started that from the beginning too and that's a show that will just run the fun the thing is i need those apps to start building in the netflix like hey are you still watching this thing because um they don't have them so like a lot of times i'll just fall asleep and i'll wake up it's in the next season you know and i've got to go back and so um you know it's 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 probably not great because you know we we're big i don't know how you guys are about this we're big like go we it's probably not great for us, but we go to sleep with the TV on every night. Like we have to, I have to have the TV on to sleep. Um, and so I, it's probably not great that I wake up in the middle of the night and there's like screaming on a boat because like uh, 30 foot waves are crashing over their head while they're trying to catch crabs. So um, I think, uh, I think that's probably what I'm most into right now. I will get to breaking bad at some point. Um I do want you guys to know that because I know we talked about that on the last mm-hmm. last pod. Um, I'm just not there yet. And w- the thing was, when I came off the Marvel movies, I was like, I need a break from like the the ups and downs of of this, and so I can't jump right into Breaking Bad. It, that seems like that seems like a fair choice. That high high uh, high tension to high tension is just going to leave you with a, with high blood pressure. I think it's probably the the best way. To right. Say that. Right. So we've we've been going for like an hour and and I do I know you're tired so I want to respect your time. Um so Mike we'll 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 uh we'll leave some stuff on the bone for next time. But if people want to get more of what you've got to offer man where can they find you on the internet? Um I am on uh Twitter mikeroach247. I am now taking my uh, recruiting business to Instagram because that's where the kids are going with it. I've created a recruiting only Instagram because I had too many kids and Texas fans trying to get on my personal Instagram. And like, that's where I post pictures of my nephew and uh, things like that, like personal to me. So I've turned that into a private Instagram for my family and friends. And so I am doing recruiting stuff on Instagram because I think that's where the future of the industry is going because it's all, where the kids want to go you know it started out like it, it kind of was on facebook and then everybody went to twitter and so it's been on twitter but kids like instagram a lot more now so um uh i think i'm mike uh i think i'm hold on mike the, underscore roach 247 that's what it is it there's an underscore in there yep so um the crappy thing is my old instagram was Mike Roach 247. And so I was like, okay, I want to change that so that that's my recruiting one. So I moved my old Instagram name to a different one and then immediately tried to set my new Instagram up with that one. It's like that name was taken. And I'm like, no, it's not because I was just that. And it changed it. (laughs) So um, I had to put the underscore in there. So yeah, it's Mike underscore Roach 247. And of course you can find all our work uh, on the Horns 24-7 message board site. Um, and our podcast, uh, Nick Harris and I do the state of recruiting. 
um, which I think we're going to have. I've got an interview scheduled for the morning with an interesting guest. Uh, it's not a recruiter or anything like that. Um, it's a guy who has a new platform for like uh, recruiting technology that he's reached out to pitch me. And I was like, well, why don't you come on the podcast and tell us all about it? So uh, we're going to hear about that in the morning. I, 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 well, you said this guy, you guys said this is coming out on Thursday. Yeah. So you guys listening to this can hear about it in the morning, Friday morning on the state of recruiting when that comes out. But uh, basically it's a way for it's the guy pitched it to me as uh, I'll give you guys a preview. He pitched it to me as tender, but for uh, recruits and coaches so they can like swipe left and stuff on each other. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that turns <laughs> out, but he'll tell us all about it on this week's show. That does not sound. I don't Legal. know if I pitch it like that, but it's a great idea. <laughs> no way that could go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. So listen in this week. Do it, check it out. Mike, thank you so much for, uh, for hanging out with us tonight, man. Go get some rest. Dear Lord, you've got a, you've got a marathon ahead of you. Yeah, it's going to be a busy month, boys. Um, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll come back on here in a couple weeks and, and do this again. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Mike. All right. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure to have Mike on. Let's finish it up strong, Gerald. He teed it up nicely. Let's keep it rolling. We'll now take a look at the burnt orange lenses, taking a look at the world through our orange-colored glasses. Uh, this week in golf news, uh, Scotty Scheffler, our guy, keeps ri- rising up the ranks. I think he's like currently 15th in the world, something like that, 17th. Uh, finished third at the Memorial. This one was 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 kind of a wild tournament i think the uh uh, the the finish was was obviously you know was a a solid finish there was a playoff between uh you know cantlay and uh marikawa but uh the 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 most wild part about this doesn't actually involve ut golfer scotty scheffler um but he would have been fourth most likely had it not have to be for john ram being told that he tested positive for covid on the 18th green after uh finishing in saturday's round uh and and watching him process that it was it was a brutal it's it is a purely 2020 2021 slice of of, of sports ephemera that you just you're not ever going to really probably get again um but the guy was six strokes ahead and uh i think six strokes would be social distancing but uh um <laughs> got scratched and again it, it worked for longhorn getting getting Scheffler a top three finish but but pretty crushed for rom that that was unreal to watch the this year this last like 18 months is going to be a weird time capsule where you like you go back and you read these random sports stories of like somebody was eliminated unexpectedly or like you're going to go back and rewatch a favorite tv show and there's going to be a covid episode or a covid season you're like what was that that was so so weird Mm -hmm. yeah like that's just one of the weirdest stories i've ever seen like the dude missed out on a million ish bucks because he tested he had tested positive after contact tracing uh triggered him needing to be tested Tough look. Uh, Keeping it burn orange, though, we have uh, absolutely and utterly uh, deserving in both of of these next two categories. First, we're going to keep it on the gridiron here. Michael Dixon, I mean, 
a guy who who has been a fan favorite uh, or a favorite of this podcast since the very beginning. But uh, Big Dixon Energy getting four year, fourteen and a half million extension from the Seahawks. They also signed Puna a while back, so trying to keep the Longhorn uh, the Longhorn viewers on Sundays, uh, trying to keep Seattle as 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 Longhorn Northwest. But uh, Dixon not going anywhere for a while. Incredibly proud of of of, of the big leg from down under. I mean, we have always stand for Michael Dixon. Always stand for Michael Dixon. We always stand for Puna Ford. And so it's just, it feels good to be right. I love that. Yeah, $6.5 million signing bonus, more than uh, double any punter. I couldn't find historical data, but currently in the league, double the largest signing bonus. And he's worth every penny. Um Gerald, a thing that I think we'll, we'll keep an eye on as we as we take a look towards uh, Tokyo. Do we call it Tokyo 2020 or 2021? Have they rebranded officially the the logo? Because I've still seen some 2020. I don't know. Anyways, the the upcoming Tokyo Summer Olympics, uh, July 23rd, I believe they they kick off. But we're expecting a good horn presence in that one obviously there will be some future names to to come um that we haven't heard yet probably track will have some and others and, and when time trials and things are done but we have a couple uh confirmed uh ones and in, including uh from the the storied longhorn volleyball program chiaka uh Bugu is on the u.s uh olympic volleyball roster the final 12 they had to cut from 23 to 12 and she will be going to tokyo so very excited for for her. Um, also, Gia Donan was selected to be a part of the U.S. Olympic rowing team, the first Longhorn to ever represent the U.S. in rowing in the Olympics, three-time first-team All-American, the only two-time Big 12 rower of the year. I mean, Texas will obviously have several, or at least a couple, uh, in the swimming and diving arena. Um, so, I mean, this this list will continue to get updated, and we'll, this going to be a fun summer to keep up with. I agree completely. Yeah, the uh, I believe diving is going on as you're listening to this. Twelve Longhorns competing in the USA Diving Olympic Trials. Like I said, there will be track trials. We know Kat Osterman will be going uh, for the softball team. Um, I'm sure there are some more. We'll get a comprehensive list for y'all. But uh, horns in the Olympics is always fun for me. So, Gerald, let's uh, speaking of things we'll be watching on our televisions. Let's go to Godzilla Tron, where we talk about what we watch on our giant television screens Gerald what have you been watching uh so the first one is well let me start so my wife and I picked up a new documentary I feel like I only go to Netflix now to watch food documentaries which is fine because they're always really good um but we started high on the hog which if you haven't seen it it is a uh documentary series that chronicles African and African-American cuisine and kind of the the massive influence it's had on the American culinary history. And so they start in in Benin, Africa. It's it's a um, coastal city where millions of of enslaved people were put on ships and taken to America, along with a lot of the native foods that they would eat and harvest and those types of things. Uh, They look at Charleston, South Carolina, and the history of Carolina gold rice and all of that. It's just a really, really interesting documentary to look into what we know as of like staple American foods, like macaroni and cheese, like all these things that we know staples and the rooting that they have in, in, in and from black cooks, like the catering was 
the first caterers were black Americans, former enslaved people living in you know Pennsylvania. So like there's there's just these really interesting things that I had never heard of until my wife and I are like three episodes into of the five, and it's absolutely incredible. Um, and then I also started a new audiobook series, and this is going to be a long setup, but. Um, there's a there's a young adult writer. His name is Rick Riordan, and he put out a, a series of books about um, basically the humanities. Right? It was it was um, these modern kids find out that they're like Greek demigods, right? And he he wrote it because he had some kids in his his school that needed some encouragement and they, some of the, the heroes end up being like ADHD and things like that. But whatever. But um, about two years ago, he wanted to give some other authors a boost and kind of created his own publishing imprint. Um, and so uh, a, a, an author, an up and coming author named Kwame Mbala put out a, a, book series um, in that same vein. And, and the first book of it's called Tristan Strong Punches a Hole in the Sky. It's a very uh, evocative name and it's a young adult novel. But the interesting thing about it is that it looks at the uh, like black American and West African religion and folklore and kind of gives it the American gods treatment. If you ever read American gods, it's like they are, um, you know, these, these mythological beings exist within the world and kind of aside from the world. It's really, really interesting. Um, but, but those are not, you know, we, we only really hear about those stories in February. And so it's cool to see a book series and an author with a pretty big platform, uh, putting these things out there. So, so I'm, Again, listening to that first book while I mow the lawn and stuff like that, but it's really, um, it's, it's a young adult read. So if you've got, you know, teenagers that would be interested in that sort of thing, it's a really interesting slice of American history and, and things that we um, don't always talk about in here in our, in our humanities classes. I love that. love both of those. I love um, that on this podcast or, or at the time as we talked through this segment, I believe I watched Watchmen for the first time and learned about a slice of American history, U.S. history with the Tulsa massacres that I did not know about before that. So I love that. I love kind of the, the, uh, the, the, the untold deeper histories that both of those things you mentioned um, really talk about. We did watch the first episode of high on the hog. And if you hadn't put it there, I was going to put it there um, under mine. Um, and I'll just kind of, not to use a, a pun, but I guess it's right there for me. Piggyback um, off of you. Uh, <laughs> um, it's incredible. I, I've just, like I said, just watched the first episode and I think I started the second one. Um, uh, my wife had fallen asleep and sometimes I feel guilty if I go too far ahead. So I, I watched like half of the second one and it was, it was painful to me to stop watching, but I was, I made the husband decision. And I think the, the right one to yes. stop and we'll get back into it. But just a, a really, really fascinating, interesting, good show that will make you salivate while watching it, obviously, but also will, will make just your, your brain and probably your, your, your emotions and your heart, um, you know, go into overdrive and not just the, the, the salvation, uh, glands going on in your mouth, but, uh, it really, really good show from what I've seen. And I've heard nothing but glowing reviews from anyone who has, uh, who has finished it. So I'm really looking forward to, to finishing that. So my wife fell asleep and this was such an odd transition because I went literally from high on the hog to, okay, what should I watch? And I, I clicked on, um, HBO max and I was, uh, I was like, I don't want to start a show. There's nothing I want to do. I have, I'm, I'm not tired and this is weird. I don't take naps, but I had taken like a two and a half hour nap where I woke up at like eight 30 or, or nine o'clock. So I just, my sleep schedule was whack. So I had like not going anywhere. She was asleep. So I was like, I'm going to watch a movie. And I was scrolling through HBO Max and I stumbled upon Good Morning Vietnam. Gerald, and I haven't watched this since I was a kid. Um, 
you don't understand and get this film unless you're an adult. That I'll just start <laughs> off with that. Um, <laughs> it was great. I loved it. Robin Williams is incredible. There's a couple of jokes that don't age as well, but I mean, comedy is, 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 is a time capsule. Um, but uh, Robin Williams was such a treasure. There's just uh, young force. Whitaker is great in it. I mean, everyone uh, who's, who's in the, on the screen, it's great. It's a great military movie. It's a great look at Vietnam. That isn't, you know, some of the more famous, um, more intense. I mean, it is intense, but it, it, it takes a lighter hearted comedy. And obviously I'm talking about a movie that was made in 1987. Hopefully most folks have seen it by now, but if you haven't, if you're like me, you haven't watched it since you were a kid, you haven't revisited it in 20 some odd years. Uh, it, it was just interesting and it was kind of good and, and even though it was a heavy subject matter it was good to have Robin Williams uh, in laugh and just have just a well written interesting kind of piece um, I read after the fact that it was originally set to be a TV show because at the time two of the most popular shows were, were WKRP in Cincinnati and MASH which are both you know like shows of the decade and that was kind of the inspiration for what was a TV show that was turned into a movie um, that, that Robin Williams when he read it was like yep that's me I'm the guy um, and just just a fun I one of my uh, man to rank Robin Williams roles is a is a challenge uh, that it's a is, fool's that is, Kyle. Yes, almost undoable, but um, I'm putting it in my top seven. I don't know. It was good. Top five, maybe even. I enjoyed it. Maybe not. I don't know. I enjoyed it. It was great. I'd have to make that list, write it out, and, and put some thought into it. But he was as good as ever in it, and I and I enjoyed it thoroughly. And again, that's not a uh, that's not an unearthing a gem that most of you haven't heard of, I assume. Um, but revisit it if you haven't. It's on HBO Max. Check it out. It, it, it holds up, and it's interesting to watch through the lens of all the stuff we've gone through in the world. Um, just a, a, a person in another culture and, and, and taking that in at a time when we're kind of starting to travel again or open up a little bit after being uh, completely introspective in our culture and just the the kind of military actions that we take and why we take them and how we uh, how we laugh at ourselves and 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 some people that refuse to laugh at themselves and take themselves way too seriously and and then things you know sometimes aren't so funny and uh, all that felt weirdly relevant just in a, in a time when it wasn't written for but uh, art is, is is interesting like that you can always review it from a from a different prism and a different life experience in it it always uh, sparkles a little differently i remember watching that as a kid not getting it and so i need to go back and like i mean i just need to go back and watch it i mean i get hbo free with my cable subscription because i needed it for work so like i i or my internet subscription so I, i'm just gonna need to go back and do it because again like robin williams is just so so perfect but that's all we've got for you this week the first of what will be several months of two shows a week but kyle if people want to get some more of you between our shows where can they find you on the internet oh you can follow me on twitter at kyle carbon you can also follow the texas pregamer at texas pregamer you can follow me on twitter i'm at gh goodrich follow show on twitter at longhorn pod choose an email longhorn public pod at gmail.com thank you so much for tuning in again twice this week we'll see you back on tuesday for our positional preview and a recap of the Texas Super Regional. Thank you so much for tuning in again, and until next time, hook them. Hook them from all three hosts this week. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. 
And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.